Jesus. Let's turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4. We'll begin there. Philippians chapter number 4. And let's look together at verse number 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4 this morning. Pray for me. I feel like my voice is getting a little weak uh, for some reason. So uh, pray that we can make it. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter number 4. And uh, verse number 4. If you're there, say amen. 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 Notice this command from the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says it twice. He's like, in case you didn't hear me. Again, I say rejoice. We're prone not to. We're more prone to fits of despair, depression. That seems like the natural human condition, doesn't it? The gospel, though, gives us joy. And Paul commands us twice, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of the gospel, everlasting life a home in heaven, forgiveness of sins, peace, peace with you, God. Peace of God, Lord, your sweet spirit. Lord, fellowship with the saints. Lord, helping us to the valleys of life. Being the same good God, whether days are good or days are bad. We worship you and praise you for your faithfulness. Our hearts go back to your death on Calvary. Lord, we consider your love for us. Lord, how you love us so. Lord, in your everlasting life, when you arose from the dead, Lord, we rejoice because this will end in a celebration. Our lives as Christians will end with our faith faith becoming sight. It'll end in your presence. It'll end with exceeding joy. It'll end with tears being wiped away. It'll end with, Lord, rejoicing with the saints that have gone before us. Lord, let us rejoice because our names are written in heaven. And Lord, if there's a soul here this morning, they've never been saved. They're not Christian. They've not been born again by your Spirit. They've not received you as their Lord. They've not heard the gospel and repented and believed on you for salvation, Lord, I pray today will be the day that they repent and believe this good news. Help us, Lord, to see the glory of you. In your name, Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The Apostle Paul commands us. Find joy and happiness in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is commanding us to do. Rejoice in the Lord, he says, always. That means wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, there's no exception, there's no condition of life, there's no geographical location where you shouldn't, there's not a time of day where you couldn't, There's not affliction that can take away the joy of the Lord because the Lord is in your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And again, 
I say rejoice. God wants us to find our happiness and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is a commandment, of course. Joy not in circumstances, not in comfort, not in wealth, not in popularity, but rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And Paul's relationship with the Lord, he was, it was a true master-servant relationship. He saw his life as surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the key to the apostle's source of joy. His life was surrendered completely to Jesus Christ. His joy and purpose and meaning for living was in the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses these expressions all throughout the New Testament. In Romans 1.1 he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. That means a slave. That's what the word servant means. Paul says, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. My life is over. My life belongs to Jesus. That's what he means. In Philippians 1.1, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says, you are not your own. This is key to understanding Paul's source of joy. He says, you are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, Paul says, and in your spirit, which are God's. So this is the source of Paul's joy. This is the reason for his joy. To un- you have to understand this to understand how Paul can rejoice all the time. He is surrendered to Jesus Christ. Do you ever notice in your Christian life that whenever you're close to Jesus, you have more joy? You notice that? That's your experience, isn't it? Whenever you're far away from Christ and your relationship with Him, you have less joy. That is true even if things are going great, earthly speaking. If you have health, more money than you've ever had, nice car, roof isn't leaking, everything's going great. But when you're not close to Jesus, you still don't have joy. That's why many of you have testified, I've heard you, I've experienced it too. When your life is falling apart and you're praying to Jesus constantly because your life is falling apart, what happens is you're getting closer to Jesus. And all of you have told me this, and I could say the same thing, that when I was in the valley, it seemed like I had more joy than I had when I wasn't in the valley. What are, what, are, what are we saying? It wasn't possessions and money that gave us joy then, was it? It was being closer to Jesus Christ. That's, that's what gave us joy. When we were surrendered more to Jesus, we had greater joy. When we're further away from Christ, we have less joy. Because as a Christian, first of all, as a human, God has designed you to have a relationship with Him. We know as Christians that relationship can only happen through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you want to get close to God, you can only get close to God by getting close to Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except by me. So the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to God, and what do you have? You have greater joy. So Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. My life is Jesus Christ. It's no wonder then Paul can have joy in the midst of hardship. 1 Corinthians 7.23, he says it again, you are bought with a price. You are purchased possession. If you're a Christian, Jesus purchased you with his blood. He ransomed you from the devil. He bought you back. He paid the sinner's debt. You're bought with a price. Be not ye servants 
of men. So Paul, 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 joy was found in a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. For Paul, joy was with a life surrendered to Jesus Christ. If you turn to the third chapter of the book of Philippians, notice what Paul says about his past life. Paul discovered that Jesus was everything that he was really searching for all along. Speaking about joy. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I mourn. Paul says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, and had touched in the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. So he was committed, touching the righteousness which is, this, which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. So remember, it's not like Paul tried to find joy in other places. Paul tried to find lesser joys in other places. But it's when Paul found Christ that he, let, he suffered the loss of all things that he might have Jesus. He realized that Jesus is a greater joy than anything the world could ever give him. That what Jesus could do for Paul, he could do more so than anything else in this earthly life could give for him. Paul found the secret of joy, and it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I suffered the loss of all things that I might have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. That's what Paul was saying. So Paul tried a bunch of other things, and that was lesser joy. But Jesus is the greater joy. So Paul counted all the lesser joys for loss. He counted them but dung. That's septic tank material. He, he counted everything else in life as dung that he might have Jesus. Because he found in Jesus was everything that his heart was looking for all along. That religion couldn't give him joy. And money couldn't give him joy. And prosperity couldn't give him joy. And he found in Jesus everything in Jesus Christ that his soul was looking for the whole time. Paul just wanted to have joy and peace. He wanted everything that his soul was looking for. And he looked everywhere. And he tried everything. But he counted all that as done. When he found Jesus. In other words, he's saying, this is what I was always looking for. He's what I was always searching for. In Christ, I can rejoice always. Jesus has done for me what no one else could do. That's what he's saying. Jesus has filled my soul with contentment more than anything else the world could ever give me. Because houses can't give you joy. And money can't give you joy. And health can't give you joy. You might be enjoying it now, but it's not going to stay that way. Amen? And family can't give you really the joy that you're looking for. Anybody ever had family troubles? There's not a hurt in the world like family hurt, is there? I mean, professions can't give you joy. You might graduate from the greatest law school in America, but then after a while it becomes a job, and there you are just slugging away like the rest of us. I mean, career can't give you joy. Everything you're looking for is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. 
I can rejoice in the Lord always because in Him I found what I was looking for in everything else. Nothing tops the joy of Jesus, nothing on life. So I can rejoice in Him because a new car is not better than Jesus. I can rejoice in Him because health isn't better than Jesus. So what does it mean? He's saying it's logically reasonable and easier to rejoice in Jesus because nothing else has ever provided for me in my heart what the Lord Jesus Christ has. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because what else is worthy of so much rejoicing? Nothing in life is worthy of the joy that Jesus gives you. Now, you might not know it, but Paul is writing from a jail cell here in the book of Philippians. And Paul's in prison as he's writing our text. Paul's in prison when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. If you go to chapter 1 and verse number 13, Paul says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all places. So Paul is in prison. And he still says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I heard a man say this week, listen carefully. He said, never settle for a God who cannot satisfy you even in a prison cell. Never settle for a God who cannot satisfy you even in a prison cell. Hey, if Jesus is so good, then he'll be good down there too, won't he? If Jesus Christ is so good, then He'll be good no matter what you're going through, will He? If Christ is so much worthy of joy, then you'll be able to experience joy in Christ no matter what life throws at you. Amen? And cannot some of us say that that is the truth? That joy in Christ has been experienced in funeral homes, that joy in Jesus has been experienced in our darkest days, that happiness in the Lord has been felt in when our lives are falling apart. I mean, if Jesus Christ is willing to give up the world to having, then nothing that happens in this world could take away the joy that comes from Him. If He is so worthy to count all things but dung, if everything is taken from you, then you still have Jesus. If you've given up everything to having and the world took it all away, you could still rejoice with exceeding joy because you could say, I've already counted all this but loss. I've already counted all of this as second place. I've counted all of life compared to Jesus as loss. Nothing you face can take the joy of the Lord from you. Nothing you experience can take Christ from your heart. And Paul said in Romans chapter 8, right? He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death can't separate us from Him. Hardship can't separate us from Him. Misery and poverty and affliction still can't separate us from Him. And you, even if you lose everything, it doesn't matter. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say, rejoice. I remember one time, Bunny's daughter passed away. I remember we went to the funeral up there in Clinton. And Bunny was terribly sad. Obviously. It doesn't mean we won't get sad. He was terribly sad. He was grieved. He was getting older. Maybe even dementia was starting to take hold then. And I remember when the choir started singing. Bunny, in sorrow and grief, still praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. And the Lord is good all the time. If the world takes everything from you, it still can't take Christ from your heart. So Paul's in prison. And Paul also, not only is he in prison, not only could not getting out of prison remove the joy from his heart, but Paul also finds joy in the reason that he's in prison. That there's a reason for this affliction. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, but I would ye should understand. I want you to know while I'm in prison, brethren, the things which happen unto me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 14, Paul says, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Not only can the world not take the joy of Jesus from Paul's heart, but Paul finds the joy of Jesus in the midst of his suffering. He still looks on the bright side. He still understands that God, who is sovereign and He is in control, that God has a plan and a reason for my suffering. Paul says, even though I'm in prison, the gospel is being proclaimed. Even though I'm in prison, it's rather fallen out into the furtherance of the gospel. It's encouraging other people, verse 14 to speak confident about the Lord because I'm in prison and I'm okay. And you know what? It's spreading the gospel. And other people are saying, you know what? If Paul can follow Jesus through suffering, then I can follow Jesus through suffering too. In Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 13, Paul says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Paul is saying God has a sovereign, purposeful plan for my suffering and I'm going to rejoice in God's plan even if I'm in prison. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, but you can rejoice in this fact that God has a reason and a purpose for your hardship as a Christian. God has a reason for it all. Now, the world don't understand this, but if you've given up everything for Jesus Christ... When God takes things from you for the furtherance of His kingdom, you say, Amen, because I've already given up everything. And if my life and my suffering brings glory to Christ in this life, then Amen for the glory of God. Amen? If my hardship can be used of God to reach some soul for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I say amen for the glory of God. Amen? If you're suffering, yea, suffer all things for the elect's sake, 
You be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about the thermostat in your room. It's not about how much money you have in your bank account. It's not how bright and happy your day is right now. Your life as a Christian is for the furtherance of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your master and you are His slave. And if your life brings glory to Him, then rejoice that God has a purpose and a meaning for the suffering and the hardship that you face in your life. I wasn't going to do it, but I have to. Romans 8.28 For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God to those who are called according to His purposes. Rejoice. Celebrate that God has a reason and a purpose for even the sufferings of your life. You know what I have a problem with atheism? It doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. Hardships don't make sense. Afflictions don't make sense. No wonder we're more medicated than we've ever been. No wonder wonder we're trying to cut the edge off of every pain we experience. No wonder we're just so depressed as a country. No wonder suicide rates are climbing. No wonder hardship and misery and divorce and drug addiction and abuse and fornication and pornography is on the rise. Because the world is trying to cope with the misery of life. And only the Gospel gives meaning to the suffering and hardship of life. Only Christianity provides the answer that the whole world is looking for. That the earth has fallen and already condemned. It is already miserable. And only the Gospel shines light in darkness and God can turn the suffering that you experience around to Ease the suffering of your neighbor, your friend, and maybe make an eternal significance in your life and their life too. Why, if I couldn't reason that God is using the afflictions of my life, it would drive me crazy. Why is this happening to me? But especially when you see it, that your hardship and your depression and the sermon that God pulled out of the darkness of your life Or the song that was written, just as I am, by a suffering lady. Just as I am, without one plea, but yet thy blood was shed for me. That God can take your broken life and use it for His glory. And your sufferings could be for the furtherance of the Gospel. Your life now has meaning and purpose. Then you could be like the Apostle Paul and rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice and you could say, I would much rather glory in my afflictions that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Rejoice. Because God has a reason for your tears. I think about a mother giving birth. There is sorrow and wailing, but joy comes in the morning. And when joy comes, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that God played and God had an important role in the use of our sufferings. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Lastly, 
Paul's joy. Paul rejoiced in the middle of sorrow. God had a plan. God had a reason. And if Paul gave up everything for the world, and if he lost everything in the world, then how could he lose the joy of Jesus when he gave up everything to have Jesus? So Paul rejoiced. What can you take away from a man that's already counted all things lost? Nothing. But lastly, Paul's joy in Jesus transcended life and death. Look at verse 20 of chapter 1. Paul says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I'll not be disappointed in nothing, Paul said, but that with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, For me to live is Christ, Paul says, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I wot not. Verse 23, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He rejoiced in life or death because he lived and he died for Christ. He rejoiced in life and death. He lived and he died for Jesus Christ. He did not care, in other words. He didn't care. His joy was not determined by this life. He didn't even care if his life ended. He did not care. Even death would be used as a tool, he's saying, to die is gain. What does that mean? Again, we're so worried about dying. It makes me wonder about our faith in Jesus Christ. Not that we don't have any, but how little of it we have. Do we believe this gospel? That if we sleep with Jesus, that God will bring us with Him? That He'll raise us up in the last day? That we've passed from death into life? That we have everlasting life? It's, it's not that we're not saved. It's just that we haven't had, we haven't, our faith hasn't ran deep enough to lay hold on this. We're so worried about dying. And the devil uses it as a tool to rob us of our joy. We're handicapped. We're living our Christian life with training wheels on. We're chained to the world like this is our home. We're bound by it like this is all that there is. Listen, Christian, thank God this is not all there is. It's not. I've been working on my house. You ever been there? It's frustrating. Spend all that money every month to pay on it. And then the thing's falling apart while you're living in it. Jesus said, don't lay your treasures here on earth where moth and rust or termites do corrupt, but lay your treasures up in heaven. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also, right? But we're so bound by earthly living. We're just so caught up in it. No wonder we don't experience the joy of Jesus because we can't get past this world. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul even used death, the worst thing that could ever happen to you, as a tool that God uses to usher you into His presence. Why, I wouldn't bring my grandparents now for the world, would you? Back here in this world. I'll go to them, amen, like David said. For our hope is in glory. Our hope is not in this world. 
We rejoice with hope everlasting. Lay hold on everlasting life. Live for Jesus and die in Christ. And smirk while the preacher reads the obituary. Look down from glory like Hebrews chapter 12. Run that you may obtain. Be a great cloud of witnesses. And look down one day in glory and say that all of life and all of trouble and all the hardship I've experienced, it does not compare to the glory that shall be revealed in me. This world has had no power on us. Let us rejoice, amen. Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because when this life is over as a Christian, we'll be with Christ forevermore. We'll see Him face to face, the One who saved us by His grace. Amen? But we're so worried about dying. Who cares if you have Christ? Who cares if you die? What does it matter anymore? He took the sting of death away. He arose from the dead. This Gospel. Who cares if I die? Say, Josh, don't talk like that. Are you serious? I'm born again. My life is hid with Christ in God. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What does it matter? Rejoice. Rejoice. Some might think, well, that's a pretty depressing thought to not worry about dying. But my life is in Christ. It's not in this life. My hope is in Jesus. It's not in my health. My hope is in Christ. It's not in you. My hope is in Christ. And it's not if every it's it's not if I hope somebody don't die. God forbid it. Oh, I know it hurts so bad. But my hope is in Jesus. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you should worry about dying. You should really worry about it. It's appointed a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. You have no reason to have any joy. You have joy in things which fade away. You have joy in people which are finite. You have joy in money which can be gone in a second. You have joy in your health. They could diagnose you with cancer. What will you do then when your body is failing? What will you do then when they say you have six months to live and they will say it? What will you do then when the tax bill comes and it will come? What will you do then? You say, I have money now. I have a good job. And it's all taken away and it will be. What will you do then? You have no reason to joy. You have no reason to rejoice. No reason to be happy at all. Your life is in this world. And don't you know that this world and this life and all of its lust and all of its money and all of its things will fade away and it will all be gone. Don't you know that? You know your sports team will go away. You know your money will be useless. Your health will not at all stand against the power of God. What will you do then? You have no reason to rejoice. No reason at all to rejoice. Maybe you got cured of cancer, but you died and went to hell. Wow! Praise God! I get to live ten more years! Yeah, but what if you don't know Jesus as your Savior? What would it matter if you got cured from cancer and then you died and went to hell? 
Some people say, well, I won the lottery. I'm finally happy. You have cousins you've never met, and they're camped out on your front yard. And maybe you died a millionaire, but then what? What next? Why would you rejoice in anything? If all you had is this, this life, then Paul said, we're of all people most miserable. You love your spouse, but what if he dies before you? You have no right to rejoice. Joy only can come from Jesus. That's it. That's it. Do you know the Lord? Is He your Savior? And some modern heart would say, I'm closing. Yes, but I'm highly educated. Wow, we. What will you do with judgment? Say, look, I graduated the top of my class. I'm sorry, those credentials don't matter here. But do you know Jesus? That's the question, isn't it? Don't stress if you're a Christian. Your life is in Christ. Not in things. Not in people. Not in your health. Not in money. It's in Jesus. It's in Him alone. But if you don't have Jesus, there's no reason to rejoice. You should weep. You hear me? You should cry. You should be worried to death. You should be depressed because all you have is this life. And after this, the judgment. So, well, I don't believe in the judgment. That's your own risk, I suppose. I hear you come along after thousands of years of Christianity and Judaism and archaeological evidence and a resurrected Savior proven by infallible proofs and all the evidence and the power of Christ and the changed lives of Christians. And now here you come along with all your new answers and ideas. No wonder God says that God is true and every man's a liar. Do you know Jesus? Is He your Savior? Even as a Christian, as we stand to our feet this morning, you say, I know I'm a Christian. I've been born again. I know from my experience, sadly, and you do too, that you have less joy when your relationship to Jesus Christ has drifted away. Less joy. But even if life has fallen apart and you're closer to Jesus, you have more joy because you're closer to Christ. What does it mean? It proves the sermon, don't it? That joy comes from Jesus. Not from things. Not from money or people. It's from Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Maybe this morning you say, I know I'm a Christian, but my joy level is way down there. Here's what it always means. It means that your relationship to Jesus Christ is not where it needs to be.
That's what it means. You can measure how close you are to Jesus by the joy of your soul. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 were thrown into the inner prison. That means that's like solitary confinement down there in the hole where all the water drains and where the rats live. And in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas said, let's sing a hymn together. And they sung together. They lost everything. They had no money. They had not one day of freedom. They had no freedom. And still they sang, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I bet you Paul's laughing. <laughs> they think my hope's in this life. They think if they gave me money, I'd be happy. <laughs> they think if they let me out of this prison that I could sing. I'll show them. I'll sing while I'm in the valley. Because my life is hid with Christ. He's the source of all my joy. There's a reason for it, amen? If you're a Christian and you're joyless, it's time to get back with Jesus, amen? If you're not a Christian, you're here this morning, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for your sins on Mount Calvary. He sacrificed himself for your sins. They buried him, he arose from the dead. And if you'll just look unto Jesus and believe on him, you will be saved, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And Jesus is the gift of eternal life forevermore. And God is offering him to you this morning. And if you've never been saved, then you come to Jesus. And if I can help you, if I could talk with you about that, I'd love to meet you right here. I'd love to show you and talk to you about how to become a Christian. Amen? Listen, this life is not your source of joy. It can't be. It can't be. Let's sing together. You obey the Lord.